Do you have someone in mind who you would like to see on the Relate Podcast? Head on over to Instagram at Relate Podcast and send me a message or leave me a comment. Let me know who you would like to see on the show. Also, if you'd like me to talk about a specific topic, send me a comment or message and let me know what you'd like me to talk about. That's at Relate Podcast on Instagram. This is episode 122 of the Relate Podcast on taking ownership of your online life with Stephanie Humphrey. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet. So let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to another episode of Relate. Have you ever thought about your personal brand online or perhaps your digital footprint throughout the internet universe? This is something that I think a lot of us don't really think about. It's very easy to seem like, oh, we're in this private world when we're on our computer screens and we don't realize that what we're broadcasting on social media is seen by a wide variety of different people. So in today's episode, we are talking with Stephanie Humphrey. This is a really great episode. I think you will all really enjoy it a lot. Stephanie Humphrey is a technology and lifestyle expert who really works on empowering and enriching people to use technology in a mindful way. She is driven by the sole purpose of connecting people and also talks about how tech has the power to do that. She's currently the technology contributor for ABC News, where she worked as part of the nationally syndicated Strahan, Sarah, and Kiki team. She's also been on daytime morning shows like Home and Family, The Hallmark Channel, and Sister Circle Live on TV One. She's been the technology contributor for Fox 29's Good Day Philadelphia. She's been the spokesperson for HP Inc. on QVC. She has been all over the place, and I'm so excited that she has agreed to join us on the Relate podcast. She also has a seminar called Till Death Do You Tweet, which is tailored to students, parents, and professionals and helps them understand the potential negative consequences of online behavior, especially through social media. And she has recently come out with a book that is now available on Amazon. Go check it out. It's called Don't Let Your Digital Footprint Kick You in the Butt. Great title. I love this. So please go to Amazon. This link is in the show notes. I highly recommend checking it out. This is a great episode with Stephanie. We talk about a wide variety of different things from personal branding to what it means to be a good digital citizen and also the importance of empathy and why humans need to be kinder to one another, especially in the online universe. We discuss why we must take ownership of the way we're behaving online 
And while the tech companies are a lot to blame for a lot of the issues that we're experiencing nowadays, it's also important for us as human individuals to take responsibility for our online actions as well. So this is a very insightful episode. I think you will all really enjoy it. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review, let me know your thoughts, or if you have the Anchor app, call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear perhaps your number one takeaway from this episode. What does Stephanie say that really resonates with you? So without further ado, let me please introduce today's guest on Relate, Stephanie Humphrey. Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us today on the Relate Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be joining you today. You, you're doing some really incredible work in the tech space. And you also, you came out with this new book as well. You have a lot of exciting things happening You're on the advisory board for All Tech is Human, uh, David Ryan Polgar. He, he's great. He put us in touch. I feel like he's put me in touch with so many great people working in this space. Oh my gosh. He is a wealth, a fountain, if you will, of, of knowledge, of, of contacts, of network, of of, of everything. David, David's so awesome. Oh, he's great. Yeah. So shout out to David Ryan Polgar, if you are listening to this, David. Uh, so yeah, he was, he was kind of put us in touch and, and just after our previous conversation, and then of course, doing research on your work, I'm, I'm really excited to, to have you on the show today, because I think that you're talking about technology and the impact that it has on us uh, as human beings, both from a very positive perspective, and then also talking about the potential negative effects that those could have as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that gets talked about enough. I, you know, I think the conversation around, you know, how bad social media is and, and, and technology can be is, is out there, but it, it needs to be done in a way that is not intended to necessarily scare people away from using the technology, but just to create a mindfulness about how we use it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think this is a really important conversation to have because obviously technology is not going anywhere. It's only going to continue to advance. So the conversation is not so much, okay, uh, ignore technology, like don't use it, uh, put it far away where you can't see it. It's more so how how can we use it efficiently and effectively so that it enhances our lives instead of takes away from it that's right and it's like it's it's not the boogeyman you know it, it <laughs> but but you know when you're when you're reading about the articles and and different things around um the impending you know um what is uh what is the word i'm called what i'm thinking the singularity if you will when 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 we are you know completely merged with technology seamlessly it it paints a very um doom and gloom sort of dystopian picture of of what we have to look forward to and and it doesn't have to be that way yeah and i think that you know and that's why i really love your work is that you really you you paint a more positive picture on on how we could balance 
our relationship with technology. And so I guess I, th I think we're going to cover a lot of great things in this episode. I'm excited. But to take a couple steps back, I would love for you to share with our listeners just a little bit about your journey. How did you end up in this field and, and what led you on the path you're pursuing today? It has been a very uh, varied journey, if you will. Um, I am an engineer by trade and training. I have an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering uh, from Florida A&M University and a master's degree in telecommunications and networking engineering from the University of Pennsylvania. And I worked as an engineer for 13 years for a company and um, it just wasn't very fulfilling. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you know, there were, there were a lot of different things going on there, but you know, at the end of the day, I just, I didn't feel like I was making any sort of valuable contribution um, to society, honestly, you know, leaving there every day and, and, you know, getting a paycheck and, and just not feeling useful or, or relevant or, or anything like that. So um, I started looking into a bunch of different exit strategies uh, at that time. And so I was doing some, some things that were, were completely opposite of, you know, tech and, 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 and that whole space in entertainment and media. I was acting, I was modeling, I was hosting, I was being a spokesperson for, for things. And, and, um, you know, realized that uh, I could combine those two things because I, I love technology. I feel like, you know, I tell people all the time I was born an engineer. You know, I love figuring out how things work and and helping people understand how things work. So, you know, I, I, I didn't realize at the time uh, that I could put those two things together because as I ventured into that media and entertainment space, you know, I realized that there was a new love. Uh, that I had as well that I didn't even know I had, um, which is, you know, basically just running my mouth. <laughs> you know, I, I get paid to run my mouth. So, uh, and I didn't know that was a thing that you could do and, and actually uh, get paid to do it, or at least I didn't know it was a thing that I could do. Um, so once I kind of realized that I could put those two things together, um, that's when, you know, a tech life expert was born. And, and this was, around 2011, actually, January of 2011, when um, I started blogging. Uh, you know, I had a blog called A Matter of Life and Tech. It, it's still out there. It, it, the, uh, the like lab, yeah, the last post is probably from, you know, 2012 or something, but um, it definitely is still out there in the ether. Um, and, I, and I may go back to it at some point and, and, and start posting content regularly and kind of build that out as my, as my platform of choice, um, for content. But, um, the, the primary use for it at the time was just to, uh, establish my writing skills, you know, as a, as a tech writer, as a tech journalist and, and use that as a place that I could point people to, um, to get better writing opportunities. Uh, so that's what happened. I was able to uh, get higher profile writing opportunities. I was the tech writer for the root.com for Ebony magazine, ebony.com black enterprise. I did, I did tech pieces for a lot of different publications. And then I was able to leverage those to pitch, uh, television stations. So Fox 29 in Philadelphia, good day. Philadelphia was the first time, uh, I got on air and sort of built 
on that foundation to get to where I am now as a tech contributor for ABC News. Wow, that's amazing. And congratulations, too, on just your trajectory, because it's it's really apparent in both the, the, the footage that there is of you out there, but then also just hearing about your story as well, that that you've really worked hard at something that you're very passionate about. And I really admire too, that you're taking this conversation to major media outlets. I think this is a very important part of your work because a lot of people talk about technology and, and be mindful about technology and things like that. But what, what I really love about what you're doing is that you're, you're presenting it in a way that can be consumed by by mass media. And I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Why do you believe that talking about this kind of work, about really the importance of educating yourself on how to use technology, why is it important to talk about these things through mainstream media? I think getting that messaging out there, because like you like you said before, technology is not going away and we don't want to leave anyone behind. And I think, you know, with with the with the digital divide that we have in this country, um, as far as Internet access is concerned, but there's also just a divide in how people regard technology. You know, there's still a lot of fear. There's still a lot of intimidation around what it can do. And and for good reason sometimes, um, because, you know, we've seen from, from platforms that they haven't always treated our data uh, respectfully and carefully. So so there is a, a, a cause to, to be skeptical, but there is also great opportunity there if you, you know, embrace it in a way. And even if you don't ever, you know, start your own company or, or develop the next killer app or, or anything like that, you know, you, you're missing out on the opportunity to maybe save some money on your groceries because you didn't download that coupon app or, or, you know, you, you're missing out on job opportunities because, you know, particular companies only take online applications now, or you're missing out on an opportunity to get um, healthcare because because you know this doctor or this insurance only uh, only does telemedicine appointments right now. So you know if if you're not embracing all that technology can do and is capable of, you're you're sort of cutting off you know a body part almost at this point and and really missing out on on a lot of different opportunities that I don't even think we have fully identified yet. So um, the idea that I can you know be that voice for as many people as possible on a major platform to let people know, hey, it's it's not so scary, you know, or yes, you have to consider these things about privacy, but, you know, if you're mindful, you can use it to your advantage and, and different things like that. If I can, if, if what I'm doing can get that messaging across and, and help more people take advantage of the good parts of technology, um, then I'm going to, then I'm going to try to do that as much as I can. You make some really good points too about the opportunities that we could be missing out on that are inherent within technology. Really when when I started in this work, a lot of it was about how we should not be so ingrained in our technology, how we shouldn't uh, spend too much time on technology. And 
my my perspective has shifted a little bit more uh, with regards to really investing in humanity and relationships, but not only our relationships to each other, but also our relationships to technology. Because as you mentioned, I think there are a wide variety of opportunities that are present within technology and it's really a matter of educating us ourselves on how to do that. And so with that said, how can we tap into all of these opportunities that technology has while also making sure that we don't get too consumed by it so much so that it starts interrupting our relationships with our friends, our family, or just really consuming our lives at large? Yeah, that goes back to the mindfulness. I mean, you know, we need more people stressing that. I, I don't think we have enough people making the case for um, when it is time to to disconnect and unplug. And and I think we need, uh, you know, uh, more of a campaign, if you will, around reminding people that, you know, you, you can put your phone down every now and again, like it, it's okay, you know, not to document every single incident in your life for, for social media, or, um, you know, you're, you're not missing out on anything. And I, I think that needs to start early. I think we definitely need to do a better job of modeling that for our young people because we don't do that. Um, so, you know, the, the adults in the room have to step up and take some responsibility uh, for modeling that type of behavior. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you on that. It, it's interesting sometimes when I, I'll hear parents' frustrations that their kids are always on their phone or they're so attached to technology, but then sometimes those very parents are on their phone at dinner time or at wide variety. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's definitely a leading by example sort of thing. And you you've created this great seminar called "Till Death Do You Tweet." which I love the name. It's, it's so good. And I guess the, the seminar, uh, well, I guess I won't say anything about it. How about, how about we have you? I would love for you to, to talk about it. What is this seminar about? And I guess what, what's your objective with it? So Till Death Do You Tweet was actually created um, out of a desire not to bore students to death at career day. <laughs> I've, I've been doing I've been doing Till Death Do You Tweet since since I was an engineer many, many years ago. And I, I came up with it because I was being asked to, you know, speak at a lot of friends career. I have a lot of friends that are educators and I was being invited to speak at a lot of career days. But I was working for Lockheed Martin. And if you know anything about Lockheed Martin, they're a government and defense contractor. And I had top secret clearance. So uh, I wasn't really at liberty to discuss a lot of what I did there. So and it so it just wasn't an interesting conversation. If you if you were to bring me into a group of students and, you know, ask me what I did, it was not going to be an interesting conversation because there just <laughs> wasn't going to, there wasn't going to be a lot I could tell you. You know, I could yeah, say, you yeah. know, Performance analysis and requirements verification, and 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 it, you know you get those blank stares, and it's kind of like you know what does that even mean? And and so um, in lieu of that, uh, you know this was a way. It, it started out fairly small because it was just you know social media was sort of just kind of you know blowing up, and and um, 
you know, I, I wanted something that would speak to them that they were actually interested in, you know, something that could meet students where they lived and, um, and, and be relevant. You know, we I'm like, we can talk about, you know, what it takes to be an engineer after this conversation, but, but let's talk a little bit about what y'all are doing online and, and why. And so it started, you know, very small in that regard. And, um, I'd say probably around 2012 or so, uh, was when, you know, I realized that I kind of had something here and, you know, that was when we were seeing a lot of the, you know, they call them cybersides, basically suicides due to cyberbullying had kind of spiked at that point. And, you know, the, and kids were out here literally killing themselves because of, of, of a Facebook post or, or a Twitter post. So, um, you know, I, I realized that there was something there that, I could potentially make an impact with. And once I've figured out, you know, that including that brand conversation, because I, I didn't used to talk about uh, personal branding in that, in that talk when I would give it for kids, but, you know, including that helped me key in on the fact that, you know, they need some ownership in this. It, it's not a, it's not a matter of just going into a school and saying, don't do this on social media. I wouldn't, I, I tell students all the time, like, I did not come here to tell you not to be on social media. Trust me, we're, we're not going to have that conversation. So you can <laughs> take a deep breath uh, because you don't have to, you know, this is not the old person coming to scold you about your Instagram, um, you know, but once you sort of help them understand that idea of their brand, and how it can be affected one way or the other, good or bad, based on what they post, you know, it gives them that ownership. It sort of puts the onus back on them to make a better choice, to think a little bit about, you know, what you post before you put it out there. Um, and it just really took off from that point. And, um, and so the idea is just to try to help create better digital citizens and, you know, human nature being what it is. And, and we see that right now with, with the whole push to try to get people to wear masks to protect other people. Nobody wants to actually do that. You know, people don't tend to do things um, unless they see a benefit in the, in it for themselves. And, you know, and, you know, that's just human nature, I think across the board. So, you know, when you, when you show someone the benefit of it for themselves they tend to make better choices, you know, if they know those choices will benefit them. So that is kind of the idea of, of having that personal brand conversation first, because it's like, you know, this is a thing that you do have, whether you, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, we all do. We have the, we have this thing called a personal brand and, and, and this is what can happen if you're not managing it, managing it properly online. And this is what can, this is actually what can happen if you are managing it properly online. So you show them the, the good and the bad, and, and then you just leave it there and let them make a choice. And, and again, you know, human nature being what it is, you know, people tend to make a choice that will benefit them. And in this case, uh, the, the better choice is to be a better digital citizen, is to be a good digital citizen. <laughs> this this uh, information, is, it, it's so important. I, I was, when you were talking about this, I was thinking about, and I'd love to dissect this further too. I was thinking about when I first joined Facebook, I think it was in 2007. Mm -hmm. And of course, like none of this stuff was at, at the top of my mind. And Obviously, back then it wasn't, I guess, as prevalent as it is today. And so I, I'm curious, I, I'd love to dive deeper into this idea of personal branding. 
Mm -hmm. What does that mean in today's very technological digital age? Why is it important to be mindful of it? And is there is there any way that we can distinguish our platforms? Perhaps one could be used for like our personal brand for professional use, while maybe another platform could be more for personal use just to stay in touch with friends and family. How, how do we go about figuring out this personal branding? So it, it, it becomes a collection. I, I like to look at your personal brand as, as a collection of things. And, you know, it gets represented in a lot of different ways. So, you know, I actually, I actually get into this with the students and talk about the fact that it's not just social media. You know, I've, I've keyed in on, you know, your digital footprint because that's the space that I live in and, and, and my area of expertise. And it's also kind of the quickest way to, to mess it up. But, you know, your personal brand is represented in person when you shake someone's hand and introduce yourself, they're making an assessment about who they think you are based on your your clothing, your posture, your speech, you know, your handshake, you know, all of those different things. It gets represented in writing. So when you're sending emails to somebody, they're checking out the grammar and the spelling and the content and the tone. Um, and then, you know, by other people as well, uh, you know, somebody, if, if, if everybody's buzzing about, they think you're a certain way, you know, that, that stigma, good or bad tends to, tends to attach itself to you as well. So there are a lot of different ways that your personal brand gets built. Um, but through your digital footprint, I think is the way, uh, that you have a lot of the control over what it becomes and, you know, simultaneously the way that it can be kind of destroyed and dismantled with just, you know, one post. I mean, we live in a time now that we actually have labeled cancel culture. So, you know, it's very easy for, you know, one thing that you do, uh, you know, online to, to sort of ruin all of the work that you might have done to build up a brand for yourself. Um, so we, we have to be careful about that. And, 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 you know, it, it is something that, that follows you. It's something that, that, that goes before you. Um, it, it gets perpetuated and propagated across the internet more quickly than, than any other way. Cause you think about, you know, think about all the people that are getting, um, called out for, you know, calling police on people unnecessarily, you know, they, they didn't do anything necessarily to um, add that to their personal brand, but someone had a smartphone and someone took a video and now that video is uploaded on the internet. Now it might have gone viral. Now there's a news story. And now every time you search for that person's name, that incident will be connected to it. Whether that person felt they were racist or not, that's the stigma now that has become a part of their personal brand. So you have to um, really consider what your digital footprint is saying about you in a bunch of different spheres, if you will, kind of like, you know, space time, uh, <laughs> like four, it's like four different dimensions you have to consider when you're, when you're thinking about how your brand gets represented. But, um, but again, when you're, when you're talking about, you know, digital footprint and, and internet access and electronically connected and, you know, it just, it, it, it just gets to propagate that much faster across those platforms. So, um, we we just have to be again. We I'm, I'm going to go back to the word mindful a lot uh, this hour. Um, but you have to be mindful of the way that you're representing yourself across a number of different spheres. Um, now, as far as how you can sort of separate or or balance based on platform, um, 
it's funny. I was just talking about this yesterday because I, I did a, a live on Instagram about the book. And e even as, as recent as like five years ago, I would be asked to speak about, you know, how professionals can separate their personal and professional online. How do you separate personal and professional on social media? How do you separate? And, you know, I would come up with little tips and tricks, like make sure your privacy settings are this and do this and do that. Um, but really anymore, that separation doesn't exist. Um, you know, yes, you can, you can, you can tailor. And what I do personally is I, I tailor the mix, if you will, on different platforms. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, on LinkedIn, which is a professional social networking platform, I'm probably not going to share very much about my personal life. I mean, I know, you know, the whole adage about people like to do business with people they like and they know and they relate to and all that, you know, so I try to, you know, let my personality show in the stuff that I do share there. But there is very little content of mine on LinkedIn that is not brand ready, brand right. You know, right. If, if there's a mix, if there's a mix at all, it's maybe ninety nine one. <laughs> you know, ninety nine percent brand stuff, professional stuff, one percent. You know, Stephanie. Um, but on Twitter, it's a lot different. You know, because I use Twitter for a lot more than just you know, team tech life stuff. It's it, you know, I, I live tweet you know, insecure episodes or, you know, comment about, you know, the Democratic National Convention or, you know, whatever. So, you know, on Twitter, I'd say the mix is probably 50-50. And, you know, on Instagram, it might be a little different, maybe 65, 35. So, so you can sort of tailor the mix based on platform, but, you know, you do that with the understanding that it's not really truly going to be separate. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, anyone on any of those platforms that you're engaging with can make your content public to, to everybody, you know, and, and, and that can in turn affect your personal brand. So it, it's still a matter of um, mindfulness about what you post, no matter, no matter what platform you're using. Yeah, I think that you bring up some really important points in that sometimes especially for those who may use social media for more personal reasons, whether it's staying in touch with friends or family, I guess it's less about their professional lives. It's really mm -hmm. important to keep in mind that exactly what you just said, that anybody, or I guess anybody that you're friends with can take that information and make it public, no matter what it is, if it's a post or a comment or, or a picture or, or whatever it may be. And I think it's a lot of times very easy to forget that, but to go, mm -hmm. to go back and you use your world, you use your word rather, uh, it's so important to be mindful <laughs> because you never know when someone might take something and use it for, I guess, malicious purposes. And that's the thing. It's like a lot of the, um, there was an incident, uh, that I talk about in the, in, in the book about a young woman that got in trouble for, for posting some, some egregious things. And, and it was posted to her Finsta, you know, and if, if your listeners aren't familiar, a Finsta is a fake Instagram. So it's, it's the Instagram account that, you know, your parents aren't supposed to know about that, that, 
you know, is not public facing, that is supposed to be that place where you can just, you know, you might only have, you know, a handful of, of followers you, you, and you're only following a handful of people, but it's supposed to be a quote unquote safe space where you can share your darkest secrets and, and be silly if you want to and not have to have sort of um, that carefully curated persona that that most social platforms require. Um, but, you know, even even with all of that, you know, that information that she posted still got out and still cost her, you know, a, a great deal in her in her education and her life with her family. So it's it's just, you know, their privacy is fiction. I, I can't remember where I read that. I don't know if I read that in 1984 or, you know, something, but but privacy really, truly is fiction fiction at this point when, as it relates to your, your online presence, I don't know that you can have an online presence and still maintain complete privacy at the same time. I just don't think those two things coexist. Right, right. It seemed like a paradox almost uh, with, with regards to privacy in the online world, for sure. I know that we discussed this a little bit, or, or I guess small hints of it in our discussion already, but I would love to dive deeper into your book. Don't let your digital footprint kick you in the butt. I think it's very related <laughs> to what we're talking right now about personal branding and just being mindful with regards to our activity online. But I guess, can you give us a, an overall summary of what's what this book is about? So it's an extension of Till Death Do You Tweet because um, the inspiration was because anytime I'd go and speak to students, you know, invariably at the at the end of the presentation, a teacher or the principal or, you know, the head of school or whoever would come up and say, you know, wow, that was amazing. The kids loved it. Do you have any resources you could leave with us to continue the conversation and, you know, maybe get some discussion going in, in the classroom and, and yada, yada, yada. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> and I had, you know, and I had like one sheet resource. Like I, I put together a little resource sheet that just had sort of the highlights of, of what I talked about that I could give them. And, you know, I do the same thing for parents and professionals, but it, it, it wasn't enough. You know, that that one one sheet, uh, an infographic really is not enough to, you know, spark a, a, a deep and engaging conversation amongst, you know, high school students. So um, so that was the motivation. It was like, what could I leave with a school, you know, in, in, in students' hands where they, they have actual exercises that they can do to reinforce the messaging and, 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 you know, there are discussion questions in there that they can have with, with amongst themselves or with their teachers, um, that they can go through. So it's, it's, it's a lot, it's very similar to Till Death Do You Tweet, but it just takes those concepts and, and expands them further for, you know, posterity, if you will, so that the student has a, a guide and a manual that they can refer back to, um, you know, over and over again to, to again, reinforce the, the lessons and the messaging. Yeah, I, I think this work is it's so important because as as we were just mentioning before, I think it's so easy to forget sometimes when we're online, we're maybe in the privacy of our own homes and so we are typing something in, maybe it's a reaction to something, and it doesn't feel like it's this big public announcement, but it actually is. How how, exactly. how do you think that, that people can 
I guess, reel it in a little bit and be like, hey, uh, keep in mind that keep in mind what you're posting. How, how can people exercise, I guess, their self-control better in this way? Well, we just have to have more empathy. Uh, you know, it, it it seems like that's in short supply right now in this country. Um, but we, we have to figure it out and 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 figure out how to come up with more of it. Because when you're when you when you do, you understand that, you know, there's another person on the other end of that comment that you're about to post. You know, there's a human being that has feelings on the other end of that comment you're about to post. And, you know, like do unto others, you know what I mean? It's like, would you want somebody to say that about you? And, 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 and the understanding also that, you know, and, and I don't, this is what I don't think people really account for. They don't account for the possibility of something going viral. And, you know, once it does, that genie is out of the bottle, you know, no one's prepared for that possibility. It's, it's completely overwhelming, you know, and, and, and it, and it can have devastating effects, you know, good or bad, even if you go viral for something good, you, you, you still aren't prepared to deal with that onslaught. So um, just, again, it, it goes back to, to empathy and mindfulness and, and the understanding that, you know, the things you do do have an effect on on other people and also the understanding that um the things you do can be traced <laughs> and and searched and recovered i think um there was a a psychologist and and his name escapes me right now but he coined the term um online disinhibition effect and and that's the the thing that makes people think that um they're anonymous online and and makes them behave in a way uh, that they would never behave in in real life uh, because they think that nobody's watching, that nobody's going to be able to figure out that it was them, that, you know, it's not that big a deal. I only have two followers, so no one's going to see this kind of deal. But but that's not the case at all anymore. And and that those those ideas need to be stressed and reinforced a lot more um, in our society and especially with our young people. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so important. And I'm so glad there's people like you out there that are really expressing the the importance of, of this because technology, if it if it isn't already, I mean, at this point, especially with COVID and everything, technology is so embedded into the everyday fabric of our lives. And I think that it's only going to become even more so. So mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be having these conversations now with regards to, okay, what is our relationship to technology and how do we balance that with our relationship to ourselves and our relationship to other people as well? That's right. That's right. And and people tend to blame technology for a lot. Technology kind of gets a bad rap in some regards. And in some regards, that 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 blame is valid. You know, when you're talking about digital addiction and things like that, you know, these tech companies are doing some very, very specific things to keep you online for as long as possible and create create a, 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 a opportunity for addiction to present itself. So, you know, that's a, that's a separate conversation, but when you're talking about, you know, the way people act online and the, and the meanness and the, and all of the, the vitriol and the back and forth, that's human behavior. You know what I mean? Technology didn't do that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> technology, yeah. technology didn't make you a jerk. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's so it, 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 we, we have to take some responsibility 
and, and accountability for some of our behavior online as well. And, and again, that just goes back to, to mindfulness and empathy. Yes. Oh, that's, that's so good. You're absolutely right. It's that sometimes it's easy to fall into conversations that it's technology's fault that we have so much division in this mm-hmm. world. And I think, I, I think it in some ways doesn't help to a certain degree, but you're right. absolutely right that a lot of the, the meanness that's going on is that it's humans that are creating those comments. That's right. That's right. And, 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 you know, no one's preventing you from fact checking an article before you share it. You know, no one's preventing you from looking for alternate resources to either support or, or contrast, you know, whatever it is you're raging about today, you know, no one's keeping you from doing that. You know, you're, you've allowed yourself to get sucked into an echo chamber that reinforces your already held beliefs. So, you know, uh, the, the, the internet is not giving you those beliefs. The, the internet is reinforcing them. Yes, because their algorithms are serving up content similar to the content that you already watch and consume, but you know, no one's forcing you to consume it without regard to to anything else that might be going on online. You know, no one's internet hasn't closed your mind, you know, completely to other perspectives and, and opinions. You closed your mind to those other perspectives and opinions. You know, you don't want to hear from, from somebody that doesn't share the same beliefs and and values as you do. You know, you don't want to be open to having that conversation to try to see if there's common ground, you know, between you and somebody that, that doesn't look like you or doesn't think like you. So, you know, we, we gotta, you know, we, we gotta put some of the blame where, where it, you know, deserve to be in. And that's on us. Yeah. I think I love what you're saying. It's, it's really a matter of taking personal responsibility and recognizing our own biases or own behavior online that is maybe a bit more negative than it should Mm -hmm. be. And, and yeah, I, I, I think, as you said earlier in our conversation, it's exactly this. It's, it's being or, or taking ownership of um, being a better digital citizen. And that, that goes for your personal brand, but then it also goes to the way you interact with, with people and, and with content as well online. That's right. That's right. And don't get me wrong. I'm not letting tech companies off the hook because they still do some some really, you know, insidious things to sort of stoke all of this um, and to manipulate human behavior and, and, and psychology. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, like, you know, we got to get it together, too. Right. Wow, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us on this show. I I really appreciate you taking the time, but I also just, I really appreciate the work you're doing. Again, it's a conversation that needs to be had more about how we use technology effectively, how we could implement it in a positive way within our lives while mitigating the, the negative or potential negative side effects of that. And I really commend you for what you're doing about getting this word out there and educating people and parents and families and kids, students about why this is an important conversation to have. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And and I'm going to keep fighting the good fight, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? And also, where can they get your book? 
Well, the book is available on Amazon. And again, it's called Don't Let Your Digital Footprint Kick You in the Butt. And um, they can find out more information about the workshops um, or order the book in bulk or, you know, find out anything about what I do at tilldeathdoyoutweet.com. Perfect. Well, make sure to include those links in the show notes. So listeners out there, just scroll in the show notes, click those links provided, which I highly recommend doing. So Stephanie, I have one last question for you. Okay. How can we as a society better relate to one another? Oh man, if I had the answer to that, <laughs> we, we, we might all be, you know, virus free and, and living our best lives right now. Oh, yeah. oh boy. That's, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I think, you know, we just have to continue to, um, ask ourselves with every interaction, um, how am I making this other person better? How am I adding value to this other person's life? How am I adding value to society? Um, what, what do, what type of energy do I want to put out there every time I leave my house and interact with another person? You know, it's a choice. It's a, it's a conscious choice that you have to make every day, um, even within your own home, you know, as soon as you wake up and if you're blessed to get out of the bed, um, you have to ask yourself what type of energy and what type of person uh, do I want to be in, in my interactions with other people? And, and, you know, some people's choices, you know, I want, I want to be a, a dick, <laughs> like some people actually embrace that and, and, and that's their thing. And, you know, I, I guess that that's your thing, but you know, I, I, I tried, you know, you don't always get there. You don't, you're not always perfect every day. You're never going to be perfect, but you know, my intention every day is to try to be a blessing to someone else. And that's it. I love that. Oh, what a great way to end this episode. That was so good. This was. This was awesome. I love the conversation. Stephanie, thank you so much again for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.